0: This is At Risk Radio. Welcome to At Risk Radio. At Risk Radio is a show where we talk about leadership in the church at risk. My name is Mark Stafford, and I'm the host of the show. I'm here with David Witt. David Witt is the CEO of SOM International. Also joining me is Deanne Alford. Deanne is the author of the new book, Victorious, The Impossible Path to Peace. David, I want to start with you. Tell me a little bit about how you came to know Deanne.
1: Yeah, well, Deanne and I uh, really met together on the similar path of the work down in Latin America with Russell Stendell. And because of that, um, we have met many of the same people, been to the same places, uh, share a similar passion. And so it was such a blessing to really get to know Deanne and her gifting and talent as a journalist in her whole life. She's uh, truly called to journalism. Uh, she has a, a a pure heart for the Lord, um, and she's used that through her whole life to do some exemplary uh, reporting of kingdom work. And so we were so delighted when, um, you know, me personally, when I heard that her heart was to write the story of Lives Transformed and what she saw with Russell specifically and going on in Latin America over a span of towards 30 years. So it's incredible depth that she brings. And I feel honored, Deanne, to be on the air with you today and just looking forward to the stories and, and what God would have you share.
2: You're very kind. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: well, Deanna, your book has a very exciting cover. Uh, there are some people on there with machine guns, and it looks like there are a lot of there, there are a lot of really exciting things that you have run into when you are spending time in Colombia. Uh, tell us a little bit about the book. Uh, the Impossible Path to Peace is the byline for the book. Victorious, the Impossible Path to Peace. What's the book about? What can we expect if we were to read this book?
2: I've been a journalist for more than thirty years for publications, organizations, and news services, including Christianity Today, Open Doors International, Compass Direct News, mm. and hence I've covered decades of news about the persecuted church. Most of it Colombia. Looking back over the over the years, and uh, most of the persecution that I covered was at the hands of the FARC. The book opens with chapter in chapter one with me having lunch in Havana with the FARC's number two leader, Ivan Marquez, He's the and the FARC's audiologue, Jesus Santrich. And also with Russ Stundel, whom the FARC kidnapped in 1983 for about four and a half months. So there I sat, unnerved, angry, and quite frankly, terrified. I was with men who at the time had a $5 million State Department bounty each on their heads. Oh, wow. And these men are absolutely clueless about the hell they have unleashed on Colombia. And mm. Russ had forgiven them. And I realized as I sat there, mm. I have not.
1: Wow. You know, Deanne, I really appreciate that about your book that you started in a place that you're totally out of your comfort zone. And yet you saw the Lord orchestrating People from absolute opposite polars um, coming together out of that forgiveness of Russell and Christ orchestrating his peace um, through the leadership that has caused you know the civil war for all those mm. years, and I think it was a great beginning. So that again, that should hopefully. To, um, just wet people's appetite mm-hmm. for what we got in this interview.
0: Well, David, I want to push into this situation with the FARC and the leadership just a little bit. You're pretty familiar with Russell and his interaction with the leadership in Colombia. What is Russell's relationship with the FARC? What is the FARC for people who aren't familiar with that term? And how has Russell been interacting with them all these years?
1: Well, I, you know, again, I I've met with these leaders. I was even part of some of those negotiation times. Deanne mm. and I share it uh, well, but I'm gonna refer that to Deanne, because her book lays it out so well. And she's done the research. Mm. So Deanne, uh, okay. help me out here. It, really, who is the FARC? Give us the context there of that conflict and what's going on.
2: The FARC are the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia. And they began mm. in the mid-60s as a, a guerrilla insurgency. And it was with the remnants left over after a 10-year violencia, which never actually stopped. It was uh, political parties that were warring for control when one political party in Colombia had did not release the relinquished power and instead shot the opposition's candidate. And that unleashed uh, 10 years mm-hmm. of violence. Mm-hmm. And the injustice of all that led to uh, a whole, a lot of uh, campesinos, peasants, and Indians seeing that there there was no, they, they believed that there was no way to get justice through the system, and they took up arms to overthrow the government. And that's how it all began.
0: The tenure of violencia, of that's 10 years of violence. Is that what that refers to?
2: Yes, it's a 10-year of violence, and it was uh, oh, okay, 200,000 people were killed during this, this civil war. Uh, and
0: that's incredible between
2: right it is and the the names of the parties and they they don't mean anything really in i mean this is what they were called and it doesn't really mean anything as we think of them in the united states but the liberals and the conservatives and um, the one party consisted of the military and the roman catholic church and the other party stood for everybody else
1: yeah, you okay. know, I, I also want to comment there uh, and just clarify for the listening audience that violence turned into a, a total of uh, fifty-four years, if I remember, before the peace accord there in twenty seventeen. With is that correct about the, that. End, the whole civil war? Yes, yeah. So that 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 violence turned to fifty-six year. Long war, and and again, because it's a leadership podcast, I want to point out the DN really brings out how what you sow, you reap. And here's one corruption coming against okay. another corruption. In other words, these this group rose up because of the corruption in the government of Colombia, but they themselves came from corruption and continued in it. So you have two corrupt groups at one another, and we see such that principle in you know the restricted persecuted areas where it's you know violent forces going against one another, but all end up corrupt. And no one really ends up right. meeting the needs of the people. And that's why you get that thats that lacking of peace anywhere. Right. Agreed. Well, and what a
0: picture of courage to walk into the middle of a group of people that are wanted, that are violent, uh, that are corrupt, and march into that situation with the gospel. But well, when we get back, I want to press into this a little bit further and talk about uh, what our readers will, how they'll be encouraged, what they'll gain out of going through this book and understanding how God has worked powerfully in Colombia. We'll be right back. At Risk Radio. At Risk Radio, in our partnership with SOM International, is working to bring 2 million Bibles into Venezuela. For more information about how you can help, go to atriskradio.com. Welcome back to At Risk Radio. I'm online with David Witt. David Witt is the CEO of SOM International. Also joining me is Deanne Alford. She's the author of the new book, Victorious, The Impossible Path to Peace. Deanne, At Risk Radio is a leadership podcast. So let me ask you about what you've observed in Russell's leadership that's different from other people you've observed.
2: I think it all has to do with having been kidnapped. And that is quite the workshop in trusting the Lord when you're 28 years, maybe he was 27. I can't remember he was 27 or 28. Hmm. Do the math. He was kidnapped on the, uh, hang on, the 14th of August of 1983. And the reason I remember that date is because it was the week before I found my old passport and I found that I had actually shown up for the first time in Colombia mm-hmm. w- the next week after he was kidnapped. So on the 27th of of excuse me, August of 1983, I was I had just arrived in Colombia and he had just been kidnapped. So anyway, that is a trial by fire. And when you're in your late 20s and you have you have a wife and an infant daughter and you've Mm. been snatched by this heinous guerrilla group and he had no choice. He had nobody else to to trust but Jesus. And those are lessons that have served him throughout his ministry. And he just simply trusts the Lord. And I've never seen anything Mm -hmm. quite like it. Uh, got him through absolutely impossible situation alive and there's no reason and he knows there's no reason that he should have gotten through it alive Mm -hmm. and he's been mindful that the lord gave him his life back and he really does completely trust him okay so case in point i'm trying to remember any specific case and well specific anecdote but it's happened so often that I can just make a sweeping generalization. I would ask him what should I do about fill in the blank. Maybe it had to do with what should I leave in this book, what should I leave out. And inevitably he would listen and he'd say do what the lord's telling you to do. I I've been a journalist for more than 30 years. And I've done most of my, almost all of it has been with Christian ministries, with uh, (laughs) pastors, with leaders, with teachers, with ordinary believers, if there is such a thing as that. And inevitably, well, I won't say inevitably, especially with a leader, there's some some level of fear. If I'm going to make them look bad, if I'm going to write something that is is a challenge for them if it's gonna get them in quote-unquote trouble mm. and contrast that with do what the Lord's telling you to do and I found that there are three people that I can think of who would answer do what the Lord's telling you to do and they do whatever the mm. Lord's telling mm-hmm. them to do and one is Russ Stendhal and the other two I'm just going to throw out there the another is Brother Andrew. And I've interviewed him before, and he's an out there kind of guy. Um, I really wanted to spend more time with him, but unfortunately, he's a nonagenarian now, and he's really he's winding down. And the other is Jay Smith, who debates the most militant Muslims in London, and they they trust Jesus, and that's the only way you can be at this level of ministry. And the Lord entrusts, hmm. entrusts so much to, to each of these men. And I've seen it really up close with Russ.
1: You know, I, that's what I've appreciated too, Deanna, about your writing is you've been able to interview really unique and called leaders and, and give a window into their lives. And that's what you've done with this book with Russell. And one of the aspects you brought out was the other side of Russell. You ask Russell really how he leads his life and um, and, and i remember I, I don't i don't remember the Zach setup you could fill in the blank here and help me out um but i remember how he told you how every day he wakes up he listens to the lord and he does what the lord tells him to do so he he's he's telling you to do what he does and we see the integrity of that um uh-huh. yeah any more comments on on that that part of, of, that you discovered with russell of him being led by the Holy Spirit?
2: It's especially antsy when I, because I'm a writer and people, a lot of a lot of times there. well, there's this general demonization of journalists and sadly, even Christian journalists. And I understand that not everybody knows me and that, I don't know, I'm not, I'm, I'm out to, I mean, the Lord's called me to this. And, uh, but the amount of trust that he puts in me um I mean, okay, I do remember a case in point. I was sharing my testimony, how I came to faith in Christ in Havana. And I don't know a lot of these people, but there were some pretty heinous gorillas that I didn't know from Adam. But I was just telling them what Jesus had done with, in my life. And one of the ones I shared with, I was talking to, I'm trying to remember if it was Romagna and Santrich, and there was somebody else. And there was another person there whose yeah, name escapes me, but
1: which, by the way, Deanne, let me just tell the listening audience: those were most wanted people on our FBI. Uh, List very um very bad guy dudes uh t- a terrorist yes. by the state department mm-hmm. that she just mentioned so keep on going well
2: I, I will give an aside about the bounties on each of these men's heads now the state department bounty on san is 10 million dollars and the bounty on romagna is three million dollars <laughs> and uh, so i was sharing my testimony i came to faith in christ and uh This other, other FARC negotiator was talking to Russ and he walked off somewhere and I don't remember what was going on, but I was just telling my testimony. (laughs) And the other individual was who who was there later, just jumped my case saying, you should never have said this, that, and the other about Jesus in front of this gorilla. He, he's just, they could, this guy could really do us in. And, um, Russ, when I told him, and, and he was like, Yeah, that would that could have been pretty bad, but the Lord provided a way and I was off talking to him on the other side of over there and he didn't hear any of it. So he didn't get afraid. In in contrast, the other individual was wigging out <laughs> and absolutely terrified of what and I still don't know who that person was. If they explained it, I, I don't remember because people really really bad pieces of work were going in and out of Havana all the time. And a lot of them, I remember at one point I was taking a picture of El Paisa, who is uh, one of those uh, on the FBI, most, or not FBI, State Department Most Wanted list. And I was taking a picture of him and somebody else, and then El Paisa asked me to please delete that picture off my camera. And it was, uh, I have no idea who it was. And I was not about to defy the this guy who, uh, again, uh, notorious terrorist, and he's out there. I I was not about to get crossways with him. So I deleted.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What do you do? Well, probably
1: smart move. Well, you
0: know, Deanne, as I've listened to you talk, you know, it has to be really incredible to watch these men of faith actually live lives of faith and as you've been able to observe that as you've had opportunity to interact with these guys who are really living out what they believe who are radically committed to christ and really willing to take incredible risks for christ how has that impacted your life that has to have a deep impact
2: some of it quite frankly. It, it has and it, it really has in a deeply personal way that I'm not really ready to talk about I'll just tell you about major forgiveness of of a, of a relative mm-hmm. and um, but on a global picture beyond that personal picture I think that this whole book is a is evidence that If peace is possible in violent Colombia among the most heinous Mm -hmm. people you ever want to meet, people who have zero idea how many they've killed, people who think, really think, uh, these are people who in the book, I'm trying to remember the scripture when uh, it was one of the gospels, they will kill you and think they are doing God a service.
1: John 16.
2: Yes. Mm. And I don't know that Mm. they would think they were doing God a service because God's not really been on their their radar because officially the FARC is an atheistic group. But they think that uh, Mm. Christians are the problem because, or they did back in the day, because the... Christians, wherever the church was strong, the fart could not gain any stronghold because of the battle for hearts and minds. And they could not, they could not Mm -hmm. win in a, in the competition for hearts and minds in areas where the church was strong. So if peace is possible in violent Colombia, it is possible absolutely anywhere. Because why? Because peace, it's the peace that passes all understanding, the peace of Christ.
0: Well, Deanne, I hope that you have piqued the interest of our listeners, but let me ask you one last question before we wrap up. If somebody read your book, what do you hope they would gain? How do you think that their lives personally, spiritually would be impacted as they read these stories about the incredible work that God is doing through these men who are bravely standing up for Christ in Colombia.
2: I want to say first Thessalonians five, 23 or 24. He who calls you is faithful and also will do it because if Jesus can break through these impossible, this really is the impossible path to peace, forgiveness and surrender to win. None of it makes sense in the natural, but it makes every sense in the economy of Christ. So that's how okay. I really want people to take it away. I've uh, I, Before I really knew the Lord, I didn't understand that this message of hope impacts absolutely everything. There's no part of life that Jesus cannot transform, and that's life and society, and if it can... Mm -hmm. If Jesus can be victorious in Colombia, there is hope for Afghanistan. There is hope for Pakistan. There is hope for the abusive mm-hmm. household where dad is drunk and mom is a wall. There is hope for the future in Christ. In Christ alone our hope is found.
1: Amen. And I have to add there's hope for you, you know, myself, Mark uh, because it comes personal, it's corporate. You, you're talking about the corporate uh, hope, which is where individual hope ends up. When we start changing the hearts of leaders and lives, especially the leadership of these corrupted organizations, we now transform villages, uh, communities, states, and and countries. DM, thank you. Thank you for sharing.
0: And. What an encouragement this has been to us as we have heard you speak about your experiences. We want to encourage our listeners to step out and becoming a better leader in the kingdom of God. And At Risk Radio invites you to get involved with those who are risking much for Jesus, uh, with men like Russell Stendhal and others who are... Uh, laying it all on the line for the gospel. One way you can get involved is by subscribing to our newsletter. Our full-color newsletter comes out every month and features stories from those who are on the front lines risking it all for Jesus in the most restricted areas in the world. You can sign up for that at atriskradio.com. We hope that if this has been an encouragement to you, that you would share this with those who may be very encouraged by it and maybe even pick up a copy of the book. The copy of the book can be found in our bookstore. Our bookstore is at spiritofmartyrdom.com. And that is a way that we are funded as a ministry and that we're able to fund those who are risking much for Jesus. As you give a donation for a book of any amount, we're glad to send you victorious as our gift to you. Well, until next time, my name is Mark Stafford, and this has been At Risk Radio. You've been listening to At-Risk Radio. For more, go to atriskradio.com.
2: At-Risk Radio is a production of SOM International.